Hey everybody, Whitney here with the Women Waken podcast, doing a little bit of a different kind of intro for a different kind of episode. This is the first of many collaboration episodes to come for the show. And this one is with a dear friend and previous guest, Kayla Van Egdom, who is a health coach, podcaster, and author. Kayla and I teamed up to talk about binge eating disorder and ended up speaking quite a bit about women's sexuality. So we talked and we decided that we wanted to do a little mini series about feminine sexuality and break it down into three parts. The first of which is women's relationship with sex. So that's what's coming at you right now is Kayla and I chatting a little bit about this topic and breaking it out into the many different complex pieces of it. So here you go. Please let me know what you think. Hello, Kayla and Whitney here joining together for the first episode of our collaboration series. This is the first of a few series, right, Kayla? We're going yes. to do a couple, which I'm yes. super excited about. And this one is on, it's a three-part series, three episodes in feminine sexuality. It's a very big topic. <laughs> yes. Huge topic. We could do like 300 episodes, but we're going to start with three and then we'll revisit if necessary. So Kayla, we, we decided on this because back in September, I had you on my show and then you had me on your show and we had a great time and we had a lot to say specifically about women and sex and the parallels between women and sex and food and feminine power and desire and all these different factors that kind of play into this common occurrence for women where it's this struggle between wanting to accept and be comfortable and at peace with ourselves, but also having a lot of energy and power that sometimes we don't know how to channel. And so it can often be channeled through not so great ways like addictions or disorders. Exactly. Yes. And I love that we're talking about the parallel between this because the woman has so much force and so much power in her sexuality. And it's the same with a woman in her relationship with food. I know one of my mentors talked about binge eating and how there's like a lot of power in it. And to me, for a long time, I felt like the opposite of power. But then I realized there was actually, just as with a woman's sexuality, so much force and energy bound up in that kind of a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, there really is. And you know, what we kind of brought up was that what is this power and what would be a more effective way to use it and to channel it for women? Because I think a lot of this ties into the oppression of women that has gone on for thousands of years and this fear in women to truly express themselves and to be okay with their feelings, with their desires, with their power and to instead feel like they feel need to like push it down, you know? And I think that you and I, we talked about both of our experiences with binge eating and it is sort of like this stuffing down of like whatever it is in there that's kind of scary. It's, you know, it's this bubbling up of this energy that's like, what is this? I don't know what this is. I don't know this force. Another word for, for power is force. And I think that's a great mm -hmm. word for what women feel. And again, whether it's for the, through food or through sex, where it's like, I want to have this prowess. I want to have these sexual desires, but at the same time, I don't want to get hurt 
because I've been hurt before mm-hmm. when I was vulnerable and used my power. And then I was, you know, wondered like, well, why, you know, why doesn't the person that I exchanged energy with want to do it again, or doesn't want me in a more meaningful way? So it's this weird um, dichotomy of, again, between I want to be authentic and express myself, and I'm afraid of the risks that come with that. Yes. And I think, at least in my experience, as women, we tend to have a very different relationship to sex than men do. And when we, and this was something I struggled with in my like early 20s, was trying to have the same type of relationship that men had with sex. So trying, because I didn't want to be objectified. So I would like turn the man in question into like the object I would pursue very relentlessly. And I was like, I can beat them at their own game. And being a woman, I think we have different hormonal responses to sexual encounters that cause these other feelings to come in. And then we wonder, well, at least I wondered what had happened, but the reality was I was using my sexual power in a super destructive way. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And so that's what we kind of decided that this first episode would be based on is women's relationship with sex. And why is it still complicated after all these years? You know, even after sort of, you know, the women's sexual revolution in the 60s that kind of started it sort of like the free love and like sex is beautiful and sex is wonderful and being naked and being free and, you know, one with each other. And then, you know, more of a sort of um, a robust sexual revolution, like people like Madonna and other entertainers who were like, sex is great. And women should be able to have sex just as openly and as freely as men. And to, and it's not something to be ashamed of or to only do under certain conditions that it's whatever your condition is that you decide you want to have sex. That's good enough. As long as, right. As long as sex is consensual and empowering, then it's great. But again, that brings us back to the, the quandary we still have, which is, well, then why, When I feel like I'm having sex consensually when I want to freely, I still sometimes have these feelings of rejection or shame or disempowerment. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what would you say are some of the most common, maybe limiting beliefs that a woman comes across when she's trying to navigate this optimal relationship with her sexuality? Well, I think that it's, it's hard to just disconnect ourselves from the messaging that we get around Mm -hmm. how we're supposed to be sexually and what sex is supposed to be. Um, I know that for me, sometimes sex can be such a freeing experience and a very authentic experience where you just feel like you're not thinking. But other times I feel very much in my head when I'm engaged sexually, like, well, do they like this? Is this, do I look good like this? Is this enjoy, am I good enough? There's so many, and that's, reminds me of, you know, all of the the messaging that we've gotten, which is we need to be accepted at all times. Otherwise we're not good. We need to be attractive at all times. We need to get, you know, the right amount of acknowledgement and attention. And again, all these things just always make me think of food or, and weight or body image, right? Where, you know, that when you get caught into the eating disorder and body disorder, body image disorder, you know, stuff, it's so much about like, is this okay? Right. Okay. Well, I think that I'm okay with this weight, but like, are people going to respond to it? Am I, you know, is it, is it too much? Is it too little? It's hard to just kind of sit with and know I'm okay with this. And so a visualization I use a lot with clients is telling women that we all have this throne. Everybody does. Every human being has their throne of their true authentic power that we can sit within and feel totally 
at peace with who we are and our decisions. We trust ourselves. We know our, we are our own greatest source of wisdom, but most of us are very much like not in that seat. We're like hiding behind it or like two steps away from it. We're like, I don't know if I can get in that thing. And we use all of our energy looking for other people's confirmation about where we can sit and not just saying like, no, this is my throne. This is where I sit. So I speak to this because we spend most of our time thinking, is this sexual act okay? Is this sexual relationship okay? Is this weight okay? Is this way I look okay? I don't know. I need to ask everyone else. Whereas again, like I was saying, sometimes you can have sexual relations where it's just so freeing and so authentic and safe. That's such a huge word, right? Feeling safe. And I think that a lot of times women um, don't feel safe because again, there's there feels like there's a lot on the line when we decide to have sex and be intimate with somebody, right? Even if it's not, you know, like intercourse, just any type of intimacy with a person, which also, also of course, is not, you know, just sexual. It can be any type of like sharing your feelings, sharing yourself. Um, it feels like there's a lot at stake because, you know, we you often are wanting to build a connection, Whereas sometimes, and you know, men do too, of course, all humans desire to build connection, but sometimes it can feel like that's not what the other person is looking for. And if they seem to not be interested in that, it can feel like rejection. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's that level of vulnerability that happens when we are exposing any parts of ourselves to another person and then to have that not be received in the way that does make us feel safe and valued and supported. And I think it comes back to that's going to happen when we aren't on that throne. Because when we are on that throne that you talked about, we're not going to need that external validation from other people because we already are able to own like ourselves and who we actually are. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like also when you're in that power, you know, when you feel safe and comfortable being, you know, sexually connected with someone. But I know for me, I've had so many times in my life where I thought, you know, I don't know if I feel that comfortable, but I don't know if I can, I don't know if I want to say no. I feel like I should do this. I feel like I should give this person what they want and engage how they want. And not to say that it wasn't consensual, but in my, like emotionally, right. It's like in your emotional body, it's kind of like a no. And you're like, I don't, but I don't know how to, it's like, you kind of try to get yourself into it, even though you're not feeling it. And so again, that reminds, that makes me think of the complicated relationship we have with sex, which is how do we know when we really want it? And how do we know how to say no when we don't really want it? Right. Like if we, if it's something where we're like, man, I, I thought I did, but now I just don't feel good about it now that it's here now that it's happening how do you know to be like actually no i'm good i'm gonna i don't want to move any further with this i feel like women more so than men feel obligated at times to like keep to be to keep going with it do you know what i mean yes because otherwise you'll get branded like a tease or something along those lines right there's a lot of like if i feel like there's judgments for women no matter how they show up sexually they can be approved they can be a tease they can be slut there's there's all you you really can't win in terms of getting every single person's approval about the way you show up sexually so yeah with that being the case i think a great question is how can a woman find be her own approval and like you said know when she wants it and when she doesn't and know how to 
say no when she doesn't want it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's sort of like this, you know, tier that you can do. And I feel like this is and the way we developed this series was today we're talking about relationship with sex. And then we talk about the next level, which is like, okay, once you establish your relationship with sex, you can move into, you know, your power with it. Like, how do you then hone your power in that throne? And then the next level is how do you uh, like tap into your desire, which is like, yes, I want to be in this and I want to experience this and I want to, you know, feel it to the full. Right. But until you get there, you really just have to answer the question of, you know, what is, how do I feel about this? And, and a free from anyone else's input, right? Just in our own, our own free volition is what, what do we want? And that can be such a hard question to answer. And then wondering if what we want is even like appropriate by society standards. So it just goes back to think a lot of like fear of judgment as well and fear of criticism and a lot of, and it's one of those topics that isn't talked about as much as some other topics are. So people aren't sure, like, is this desire just me? Is this tendency just me? Because people aren't having these more open conversations about this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I've said the word, you know, when guys and men, but of course, like this goes for any woman, whatever her, you know, sexuality is, is, you know, it's, it still can feel hesitant to know what you want and how you want to express yourself and to wonder if you'll be judged. And again, it just, I just keep thinking of that thing where it just feels like there's always, there's more on the line. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I can speak for myself that I have found that casual sex is kind of a oxymoron for me. I don't think that there's anything casual about sex. Um, sure. There's times where you're, you know, just kind of having fun with somebody and you know that it's not going anywhere and you're not in a relationship with them, but you just feel like that connection and you end up having a great time. And that's positive. So I guess you could call that, you know, casual sex, but normally when I find myself in those situations, I rarely walk away having no thoughts of like, well, are they going to want to do that again? Were they interested? Did they enjoy it? Did And those are usually my first thoughts rather than, did I enjoy it? Do I want mm-hmm. something more? Did I feel a certain way? It's always the... And I think that that is often a tendency for women. Not all women. I think some women, it's a spectrum, of course. Like some women, women I think, are inherently more in their own power and in their own decision-making and, and awareness. But I think a lot of us feel this need to have confirmation come from outside and to look to others first before themselves. Mm-hmm. And with that being a tendency of women, I think that's something that we can kind of give as like a first action point for women listening to this is when they start to notice themselves really thinking a lot about that other person, just reminding themselves, Hey, what about my experience? How is this landing for me? Um, because you do want to like think about your partner's experience as well, while also honoring your own. So I think that's a great yes. question to start to ask. Absolutely. And another thing, Kayla, when I think about establishing a relationship with sex, again, <laughs> reminds me again of food, is the word control. And mm-hmm. because I know for me, the biggest challenge I have in starting, whether it's someone who actually wants to go on the road towards commitment or somebody that it's more casual and just kind of, you know, be being intimate with each other, spending time together, I have this need to be like, well, he needs to say this. He needs to do this. He needs to act this way. If And it's like this exhausting battle that's like, I'm trying to micromanage their responses. And it's all, you know, a means of trying to figure out how I feel rather than just being able to say... This is how I feel. 
I feel free from whatever they do. This is how I feel. I feel very dependent often on how that person responds to me or what they, how they act, what they do. So, and it's, and I feel this, that need to control again, the same as like with, with eating stuff, it's like, well, I need to, you know, be able to resist this much or do this much or make my weight this or that. But I know that all of these things are resolvable because I used to be in like deepest depths of despair with eating. Like I felt so mm. controlled by it and so enmeshed with it that it was just never going to be a part of my life that wasn't a challenge, but it isn't as much anymore. So I know that it's possible in relationship, but it it comes back to being more connected and trusting yourself more and being more I guess it's the word self-sufficient in your emotional needs. Mm -hmm. But with both areas, if you think about sex and food, they're related because they're both things that you are bringing into your body for enjoyment, for sensuality, for pleasure, for things that... But they each have an effect on you, right? You know, food affects your weight, how you look, how you feel, how you, you know, your energy, all of that. And so does sex. You bring someone into your life and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to, let's just have fun. Let's just get crazy and wild. But then it's like, yeah, but that's still someone's energy. That's a human being that you're exchanging energetic cords with. And you're going to have a certain feeling about that. So how do we work with those energies? Because they're both a beautiful part of life. Most of us don't want to cut out food. We can't, we need it to survive. Most of us don't want to cut out sex. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful exchange when it's done in a safe and loving way. But the dance with it is just so complicated, especially for women, I think. Very complicated. And I think that idea of control does come into both of these arenas so much. And this is something I experienced both with food and with like my sexual relationships, especially in my early 20s is I was always trying to like force things and make them happen on my schedule, whether it was like how quickly I lost weight or whether it was like when this guy decided he was going to like me because I had sex with him enough times. There was such, there was always an outcome in mind. It wasn't so much about like the experience and it wasn't about it just being something that was nourishing or fulfilling. It was very much like I'm trying to achieve an outcome. And that came from almost trying to like escape myself. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Well, I think that what we're talking about both kind of um, goes into the realm of addictiveness with both eating and sex. Sex Mm can absolutely be an addiction. I believe an addiction is anything that we use to create a certain reaction or experience that becomes negative, yet we still repeat it. We still do it right? You know that this isn't going to feel great if you sleep with this guy who's not, who's kind of, you know, hot and cold, but you do it anyways. Why? Well, because you want to feel that attention. You want to feel good for that. You want to feel wanted. You want to feel desired. But then that person leaves and doesn't call you and you feel that internal sort of turmoil where you're like, what do they think about me? What's wrong with me? That's mm-hmm. such a frustrating thing to feel is, is there something wrong with me? Am I not good enough? Am I not pretty enough? Was I not sexy enough? Was I not good enough? Was I bad? <laughs> Was it not? And these are not fun questions to ask yourself, you know? And again, what, and even it's about your weight. It's like, why am I drilling myself deciding if I looked too heavy in that picture or that day and if it's acceptable or not? Why, why is my acceptance of myself even conditional? And again, that's, that's a big word for me when it comes to addiction is the word conditional. They always have a condition to it. 
These things are enticing because it's, ooh, if I get the right weight on the scale, then today's a good day. If I hook up with this guy and he calls me, oh my God, the best feeling in the world. I feel validated. I won. I did it. If he doesn't call, bam. So like, the, you know, the number on the scale goes up, bam, I'm go down. The guy doesn't call me, my self-esteem plummets. So it's all related to these things that we get a high from getting it right. And we get a low when we feel like we get it wrong. Yes, definitely. And I think in addition to that, there's also the, at least in terms of the addictions I've experienced are more like there's the the drama and the like heightened energy from it that comes alongside all of it, whether the experience is positive or negative. Totally, totally. And again, any addiction is going to have, some people will say that the heart of any addiction is the addiction to excitement, whether it's drugs, mm-hmm. whether it's sex, whether it's gambling, whether it's food, it's that Mm, it makes you feel alive. You know, I've talked to, I, I specialize as a therapist in addiction. And I recently had a client who said, I know I shouldn't have gone back to this, but I, when I did, I felt more alive than I have in so long. And that to me is such a tragedy that we, by our own nature, don't often feel very alive in this world because we've created these standards and these norms that kind of are, we're supposed to meet these certain conventional ways that we don't like. And so because in day-to-day life, we don't feel, you know, we feel like we have to do this. Then we seek out these sort of salacious things that become addictions that do make us feel alive that have to be hidden. So to me, all the stuff I talk about is about freedom. It ultimately comes down to freedom. It's like, how do we free ourselves from these constraints so that we don't turn to addiction, but that in our day-to-day life, we feel alive. We feel like we're able to be in our power and engage in things that feel fulfilling and don't you know, make us bottom out emotionally and with our confidence and self-esteem? Mm-hmm. That is a really good question because it's getting people to turn from using food and sex and other addictions as like a symbolic substitute for what they actually want and create those things in ways that are sustainable and nourishing and good for us in the long term. Absolutely. And that's such a big question, Kayla, is what do we want? What is it that we want? And to to me, again, it comes back to always asking someone else, well, I want them to call me. I want them to want me. Yeah, but what do you want? You just want them? Well, but, but do you? Like, is it, do you really want attention? Well, why? And to me, it all, and it's like with your weight, do you really want to be thin? I, I often ask clients that I'm like, if you lived on a desert island and there was no one else around, would you care what your weight was? Would you have any vested interest? And they would think for a second and say, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, and I would say, why? And they'd say, I don't know, because I'm just out there and just running around and no one's there. And I'm like, well, that's important to consider, you know, mm-hmm. is why is it that because we're always being looked at and people are always perceiving us that it changes how we feel about us. Yeah. I think that just makes it so complicated. And it's like this like sort of knotted thing that we're all trying to, or I think we all could try to sort of untangle so that we have a better idea of, okay, if I want to establish a healthy relationship with sex, the biggest question is what do I really want? Do I even like sex? How much sex do I want? Do I want sex with a, you know, just a, a casual partner or do I want a relationship? Do I want many partners? Do I want one partner? Before you're, you know, thinking about anything else, ask yourself in, in a vacuum, what do I want? Because that will kind of set the standard for what we try to keep coming back to. Even when we might feel pulled by, oh my gosh, this guy and I went out, we slept together. Now he's not calling. 
my, you know, my brain is running and my, you know, insecurity is firing up. How can I get back to, okay, but did I want to do this? What did I really want from the situation? Rather than thinking like whatever they're thinking right now is determining how I feel about myself. Cause that's where the problem comes in. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think another thing after you've asked that, like, what do I want question and answered it honestly is finding ways to release any shame you might have about what those answers are. Because I think that's a big part of what keeps people kind of stuck with both food and sex is that shame they feel because they think maybe they're alone. Maybe they're the only one that feels this way. When in reality, like our sexualities are like as unique as our fingerprint and what we want even if it's very different than the person like next to us, that doesn't make us wrong. That doesn't make them wrong. It just makes us different. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's also one of the biggest struggles is again, the conventionality thing. We have this like one lane road that sex is supposed to look like in a lot of ways. I mean, we've come a long way, right? But in so many ways, there's still this like, you're supposed to, you shouldn't have more than this many partners. You shouldn't be having too much sex unless it's with a, you know, your um, significant other, like all these rules. And it's like, well, what if I like feel differently, you know, or like, oh, you're only supposed to have this kind of sex. It's like, well, what if I want that kind of sex? And cause there's a lot of different kinds of sex and there's a lot of great things that people are getting into. There's all kinds of fetishes and different things that people can explore in different parts of sexuality. There's so many realms yet. You know, I think that there's a lot of shame, especially if anyone has been grew up in a religious home. I know that impacts people a lot to say, oh, uh, I have these feelings, but I guess they're not okay. So I'm not even going to explore them, Um, which, you know, I'm not, not anyone who's dedicated and has a faith that they want to remain true to. That's totally up to them. But it, when it starts to kind of conflict with how you truly feel, I think it's something to at least look at. Yes, for sure. And I love that you brought up religion as well, because it's something that I struggled with coming from a, as a child, I was in a religious household and I was bisexual and that created a lot of challenges and a lot of shame. And as an adult, it I had to do a lot of work around like the internal stuff I had around that just based on the upbringing I have. And I think that's something that people would definitely want to look at if they have a lot of challenges with their sexuality is are these challenges I'm having actually coming from me or are they coming from another organization, another part of society or my like family of origin? And then just starting to investigate, like, is this the narrative about sexuality I also want to have or do I want to choose something different? Yes. Yes, definitely. So important to consider and possibly to try and find a safe, supportive outlet to explore that with. Because left to our own, it can be hard, especially if all we've had is one certain influence, like from one a certain people from a certain faith, maybe it's important to check in with somebody who might be open to hearing you and your truth without judgment, whether it's a therapist or a trusted friend or someone in a, a community that's related to what you're interested in that will just you know hear you out. So you can kind of share your thoughts and ideas and be able to say what's true for you and what you're feeling. And they can sort of acknowledge that, yeah, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? And I feel safe in saying that I don't, I don't believe there's anything ever shameful about sex ever. 
aside from if somebody is inflicting, you know, abuse on someone and overpowering someone sexually, but still, I don't, I don't care for shame. Then that's for that person to evaluate and acknowledge, but shame is, is just like, a, um, is insidious. It's not necessary for healing. It's not necessary for growth or change. I think shame is, I think you can feel, um, guilt because to me, um, guilt is more like, okay, I acknowledge that something I did was not right. And so I want to change guilt is like a, a indication like, okay, but shame is almost like guilt festering, you know? And I don't think that mm -hmm. that's ever, but it's also something that people throw at other people. They shame others, right? Which also isn't necessary. If you think someone has done something inappropriate, you can state that you can make it clear that this act is not acceptable and it cannot be done. And there, there will be repercussions, but shaming is just sort of like twisting the knife in, I believe unnecessarily. And it keeps people stuck from then they either get even more, you know, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. I'm a bad person. Or they get like the opposite, which is like, well, fuck you then like for saying this, like I can do what I want. You know what I mean? So I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like there's nothing shameful about any act of, of sex, but absolutely if it's consensual, right. And it's of your volition, mm -hmm. sex is a free flowing infinite realm that um, is one of the most delightful things in life. And so I think that, you know, any same shame that we're associating with sex is worth exploring because we have to ask ourselves, why would this be shameful if it's safe and consensual and feels good? Why is that shameful? Yes, because chances are that didn't just like pop into our brain out of nowhere. It was an influence that did come from someone somewhere else. Yeah. And I think that's like the core of this first episode is just what is our truth? What is our standards and are we actually creating those or did they come from someone else? Totally. Such an important question to ask in all these regards. And that kind of leads to one of the, the final concepts that I think is important is sort of the, to me, this makes me think of a lot of things. One is like the, the difference between like our being in our masculine and our feminine energy, but also it's about like women trying to find that balance of, I sort of mentioned earlier, but you know, feeling that sexual prowess, like actually feeling desire and, and, you know, like, well, I want sex. I want this. But at the same time being like, well, but I also, I don't want to be, you know, objectified and I don't want to be labeled a slut and I don't want to be hurt. But at the same time, we still might have days where we're like, I just want to have sex. That sounds so good right now. And I just want to like have someone come in here and rip off their clothes and jump on top of them and go to town. And it sounds amazing. And that's okay. But then it's like, yeah, but also I don't want to feel like crap if the, you know, when they leave. And also I don't want to feel like they just want me for sex. So it's like this, I want this, but I don't. And then we also see this at large in our culture, right? Where women are like, I want to be, we need to be respected. We need to be seen a certain way, but then also wanting to be able to come out and be like, but I also want to sometimes have sexy pictures and like be sexual and both are okay. And it's okay to want both. There's a, you know, you can still be in your sexuality and your sensuality and still want respect. There's not, but I think there's a lot of conversation around like, well, if you want to be respected, then you can't act this way. And it's like, is that true? You know, is it true that you can't be sort of sexual vixen and still be respected? Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, it's funny. We actually, I was talking with someone earlier about paradoxes mm -hmm. and the idea of being able to hold two competing ideas at the same time. Yes. And I think that is such a big one for this conversation on sexuality is we can have these like big sexual desires and we can be sensual and we can be in our bodies and we can be sexy. And also we're still perfectly respectable 
accepted members of society and holding those two things together when a lot of people think, no, it has to be one or the other, but they really can exist at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Then I also know for myself that that like the sensuality part, I have to find my own relation, healthy relationship with, because I know sometimes that can be an addiction too, because I think again, especially for a woman, we get very strong responses when people find us sexually attractive and that can be mm-hmm. addictive where we're like, Oh, well, I know if I wear this outfit and I act this way, I get a lot of attention. And, but then it's like, well, and is this truly me? Is this what I really want? Or is it a fix that I'm getting, you know? And so that is again, a complicated dance that we do is what's my natural resting. Like, cause I mean, women are the goddess, right? We are naturally that, which is life. That which is meant to attract those that can create life with us. So it's our nature to be, you know, this vivacious being of sexuality. We're meant to be that. But how can we be that without trying to force it, without trying to use it to, we don't want to do it to manipulate others either. The same way we don't want others to manipulate us to get sex. So it's sort of, again, this complicated dance that we're all still playing because in general, we're still a fairly young species that's figuring all of this out. Our, you know, our way that we conduct ourselves in the world, our relationship with ourselves, with others, with sex, with life, with money, with, you know, everything with others. It's just a lot. So I just really believe in the power of discussion to generate change and move closer towards what we want and establishing mm-hmm. what, how things are, how things can change for the better and all of that. Yes, I think these conversations are so important. And I believe that we've given the listeners lots to think about and some questions to ask themselves as it relates to this area. Yes, yes, I hope so. And this is, um, you know, our first exploration with this. So I hope it's been valuable and put out some, you know, some food for thought to chew on. I know that Kayla and I would absolutely love for you listening to send in any thoughts you have around these topics, because of course, we love these topics. We're both, you know, I'm a therapist. Kayla's a coach. We do this for a living, yet we're by no means the ultimate experts. We need you to ch- chime in and help us to kind of generate this conversation. So if you all have any thoughts, we'd love you to leave them in the comments of this video, or you can reach out to us. Our contact information will be in the show notes, but we would absolutely love that. Yes. And in addition, our next episode is going to be on stepping into our sexual power and desire. So once again, once we establish that, what we want our relationship with sex to be, how do we do that dance with our power? How do we hone it? How do we work with it so that we are able to engage in sex in a healthy, fun way? And that we're able to engage with sex in a respectful way to ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. So if you have any thoughts on that or topics or concepts you'd like for us to bring up in that episode, please let us know. Yes. All right, Kayla. Well, this has been lovely. I'll look forward to collaborating again next week. So I'll talk to you then. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Take care. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.